Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we're talking about five NBA teams that need to make a trade before deadline. But before we get into that, I went, uh, I might have mentioned this on the last episode. I can't remember if I, I might have cut it out for like time or something, but I went to Big Sur. I went camping for New Year's. And for those of you that don't know, Big Sur's in the middle of California. And what makes it special is it's a mountain range right next to the ocean. It's literally ocean, huge cliffs, one two-lane highway, and then a, a bunch of mountains you can hike up. And I went I went hiking with uh, two of my friends, and I got back surgery last March. So it's been a little while. I'm, I'm back to... I've played basketball a few times, but I don't really know if you could say like I was really playing. I was on the court, but you know, jogging, you can jog for like 15 minutes. So like I can pick things up off the ground. <laughs> I couldn't do that six months ago. So the, the physicality is it's okay. Right. And they're like, this, this hikes about five miles that are you good with that? Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably on the upper limits of what I would want to do right now. But yeah, I can do that. I can, I can. I can make that happen. And you know, you never want to be the person that stops everybody else from having fun or doing the thing they want to do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to like toughen up and I'll just get it done. So we drive down the road a little bit. We go to, I think it's called like Salmon, Salmon Creek, Salmon Creek Trail, something like that. And we start walking a little bit uphill and there's a split. One way is to a waterfall. And the other way is just straight up the mountain. And in my head, I'm praying. I'm like, well, I'm sure hope we're going to the waterfall. <laughs> that sounds fun and not straight up. And they were, <laughs> they didn't even say anything. They just, boom, took the right, started going straight up the mountain. So I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. And I'm huffing and puffing. I don't know what the grade is we were on, but it was like, it was pretty serious. So they, every once in a while, they, they stop and they wait for me to catch up because, you know, they're, they're outdoorsy. They got the, the Patagonia on. They have the real equipment. They got the camel pack, water they're sipping on through the straw. They got like the legit gear on. They're outdoorsy people. I am someone that likes to go camping every, yeah, I would say like once a year for like a weekend car camping, but I'll do it, you know. So I'm, I'm trying to keep up with them. I'm having a tough time. But I was like, you know, it's a good challenge. You know, every once in a while, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to push yourself. My back not hurting at all, which like pretty amazing. <laughs> not like hurting in any way where I was like, well, that was always my excuse before. of, Oh, my back's aching. I got to stop. But I was like, no, that's all good to go. They cemented that. And there's a piece of metal in there and put some screws. That's rock solid. So we make it up to this clearing and we're on this bluff and we're looking out over the ocean really beautiful very cool almost like a lord of the rings type setting awesome we're joking around we stop you know i catch my breath we're having fun they pull out the map and they're like okay you see that mountain right there the trail says we're going up that and i was like okay where's the trail and they were like um i don't know you see that faint sort of line on the mountain i was like yeah and they're like that's the trail i was like oh that's like and when i say up a mountain i mean like straight up a mountain like there was really no trail to the point where we're walking up this and i was carrying a water bottle but there was multiple times where i wanted to just be scrambling where it was like it would be easier if i had my hands just on the ground right in front of my face because that's how steep the mountain i was trying to go up was so i didn't really think about this 
you're really just using all of your calves when something's that steep. So you're on your toes again, because you're on, think of like a, I don't know, 40, so 45 degree angle. I think like you can't walk up. (laughs) So I don't think it was that it sure felt like that, but it was just me on my toes walking up a mountain, which I had already learned about false peaks. If you don't know what a false peak is, it's when you're climbing up a mountain, you think it's the top and then you get up there and you realize the real top of the mountain was hiding behind that basically hill on the mountain. So over and over again, you think you're about to get to the top and then you realize that that's just something that was hiding the actual mountain further back and it's misting and starting to drizzle. And at this point, my calves are cooked. Like, you know, when you like get a real crazy pump in one of your muscles and you can like feel the blood moving through it, my calves are there. And I'm like, guys, I don't know if I can make it up this. Like, I'm going to be honest. We've been, we've been doing this hike for like over an hour on pretty good incline. I know you said it was five miles, but I didn't know we were going to be going like literally straight up a mountain. So I was like, I think like, I hate to say it, but I was like, I think I got to, I think I got to go back because I just don't want to get stuck. I don't want to fall, you know, da, da, da. like my back's fixed now. I don't want to re-injure it. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, no, totally. That's understandable. It's uh, no problem. They're like, here's the thing though. We just went up this really steep part and going back down it is probably going to be more dangerous because again, it's so steep and they had a map. They're like, there's a trail on the backside. So it'll be like a switchback trail on the way down. And that will probably be one easier and also just a lot safer. And I was like, all right, well, like you're hitting the analytics guy with some rationale. It's like, I don't really want to hike up this hill, but like, you're probably right. So we're going up it, starting to drizzle more and more. And there's like points where I'm like, my legs are going to explode. My calf is going to explode out the back of my leg. I am very concerned about just a full system failure, but I keep pushing myself. I keep pushing myself. We eventually get to the top. It was, it was very fun. It definitely felt like I really overcame something. This is the first time I'd really challenged myself physically since my back surgery. Again, it's been like nine months. So there was you know, on some level, there was like a small celebration in my mind, right? We got to the top, we like yelled at the top of the mountain. It was very fun, very beautiful. But then on the way down, the trail was, uh, I don't know if it's a trail anyone had really been on in the last 10 years. Luckily, my two friends, very outdoorsy, they're figuring out the map. They're, you know, cutting through some bushes, sometimes straight through some bushes because this trail was a, a suggestion more than anything. So it gets dark. It rains again. We're walking with headlamps. At one point, I had to walk over a fallen log over just like a area of emptiness. I felt like I was in the jungle book. <laughs> but we made it back to the car. We get back to the campsite for New Year's. You know, we count down, you know, cheers, a toast. We have a good weekend. It was a fun trip. It was a little more than I bargained for. That five-mile hike ended up being a 10-mile hike, which I think I've only done a 10-mile hike like maybe two times in my life. So I'm not – that's a, that's out of my range. So it's it's Friday. I did that last weekend. My calves – I like, guys, curbs have been an issue this week. The first two days, I don't even think I left my house. I was just like – this is not, this isn't working. Like below my waist, these legs are not operational. It's Friday 
And I still, it's like they replaced my calf muscles with filet mignons. These things are tender still. I'm a little worried it's never going to come back. That's pretty much what my week's been like. I say that because I'm really fighting through this podcast. I got really sore calves, but you know, a podcaster's got to do what a podcaster's got to do. So we're going to talk about the top five teams that need to make a trade before the deadline in the NBA, because that's really the point of this podcast. I really just needed somewhere to talk about my, my really tender sore calves. We're like getting up in the middle of the night, limping to the bathroom. Cause I don't even have full leg extension. Like this is, <laughs> this stuff is really, my legs are unhappy with me still. Uh, let's talk about the top five teams that need to make a trade. So number one, we're gonna talk about the Lakers. So going into the season, people love to talk about their depth. Rightly so. They had made a lot of good moves. They had retained basically their entire team that went to the Western Conference Finals. You brought in Torian Prince. You brought in Gabe Vincent. These are solid to good NBA players, right? And things were were looking good. They win the in-season tournament. And things have been a struggle since. Like there's There's been some ups and downs as the season has gone. But it's been really difficult. Basically, Gabe Vincent hasn't played this year. He's a guard that came over from Miami. Solid player, but has been out basic. I think he might have played three games. So he probably is the fifth best player on the team, and he really hasn't been there. That's been a big loss. Rui Hachimura has been in and out of the lineup. Just kind of like random injuries here and there, keeping him out for like a week or two weeks or whatever it is. They don't have a backup center on the roster that is can do anything defensively. Right now, it's Christian Wood, who, again, never known for his defense. His offense really hasn't been that good this year. And they're just playing AD like the entire game. AD's playing like 38 minutes here, 42 minutes. He played 42 minutes the other night in a regulation game, no overtime, where that's a lot to be taxing, especially AD injury history. There are some serious concerns the offense just hasn't looked very good. There's times where they're playing Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt, who are both defensive specialists at the same time. It's really hard to do that on a really good team. This Laker team is not really good. This Laker team is okay. So when you do that, the offense is just non-existent. It's basically, Reeves has been good. He started out slow. He's been good. LeBron, obviously, very good. And then AD has been great. But beyond that, D'Lo's on the bench now. He, I don't think he... <laughs> I've ranted enough on D'Lo. Not my favorite player. <laughs> Just not, not a resourceful player when it comes to things not going well. So the Lakers really need to make a trade. What they can do after the 15th, they can trade D'Lo. He's on a two-year deal, making about $20 million. They have Rui Hachimura. He's on a three-year deal, making around like $16 million. Those are your trade ships. Gabe Vincent, I think he's making around $13 million. So you have some guys that you can move. They have one first-round pick to trade. I believe they have two, maybe three second-round picks. So they have a little bit of ammunition in the pick department. But the Lakers need to do something. I think a trade that would make sense is Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal. They're both going to be free agents on the Nets. They're both veteran players. The Nets probably don't retain both of them because Nick Claxton's also a free agent. So they have a lot of guys coming off the books. So maybe you try to trade the Lakers, get some pick value back, 
D'Angelo Russell, again, while I don't like him, is a fairly talented player. He's probably like a C-plus player in the league. So there's some value there if you're the Nets and you don't want to just lose assets for nothing, where it's like Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Lo are probably on a similar level just overall in terms of talent. Dinwiddie also having a really bad year. Could be a nice change of scenery type trade. So the Lakers need to make a move happen. That would be one that maybe wouldn't have to involve their first round pick. Maybe just like two seconds, something like that. The Lakers have been hesitant to trade that first round pick because it's kind of their last bullet. If they want to go after a bigger player, again, they have the salaries to do it. It would be some combination of D'Lo or Rui. Uh, maybe Torian Prince could be in there. So they have the pieces to make a smaller deal or a big splash deal. And knowing the Lakers, you know, they love the big splash deals. Um, we'll see how kind of that shapes up but they definitely need to do something because things are just not clicking and a trade can often help with that so the lakers are probably the number one team that needs to make a move but they're the first team on the list number two the warriors it it is not going well so the team itself not that good but also jonathan kaminga comes out and whenever you're ripping your coach in the media on shams twitter that is not a good sign I saw another one where Moody also was unhappy with his playing time, basically the young guys. And whenever you have multiple people complaining about their role on the team, that is not a good situation. Andrew Wiggins looks lost, which again is weird because I've seen him play a handful of times this year, and it's been the five best games of his season. (laughs) And then I look at his numbers, and I'm like, this is weird. I've seen him make... I think every single three he's made, I've seen. So I have a, I'm trying to not have my anchor bias on trying to turn that off and be like, no, nah, these, these numbers are really, really bad for him. So I don't know what's going on there. They're playing Chris Paul, Looney, and then before Draymond Green has whatever is going on right now where he's not playing. Like there's just a lot of guys in the rotation that can't score. So the Warriors need to reshuffle things as well. Klay Thompson's been better of late. He started out pretty slow, but this team just, they have decent depth in terms of like role players, but they don't, I was talking to Krishna, they just don't have that second guy. The Lakers are a little bit the inverse where they're super top heavy with their top two guys and maybe Reeves. And then after that, there's a lot of like C minus players on the team, C, C minus players. And then the Warriors, they have one top guy in Steph. And then I would say all of their role players are maybe a little bit better on paper, but things just aren't gelling this year. So sometimes you just need to make a trade to just reshuffle how things are going. I think the Warriors, they have a lot of money coming off the books. So they have CP3 coming off the books and they have Clay's giant contract. It will be interesting to see Gary Payton II just got hurt again. That's not great. They're not in a good situation. Neither the Lakers or the Warriors are in a good situation this year. And in terms of just trade prospects, what they're going to do, very unclear. But when you have Steph still playing at such a high level, you almost just want to shake things up to see how it kind of settles. Because if you can get, you know, two or three guys playing well alongside him, all of a sudden it's a really tough out in the playoffs. So Lakers, Warriors definitely need a trade. After that, the Nets, I I talked about what they could send out to the Lakers earlier, but 
I'll recap that a little bit. They're going to have Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a free agent. Royce O'Neal is going to be a free agent. And Nick Claxton is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is in his age 30 season. He's like a pretty good six-man ball handler. He's having a really tough year, but he's way overcast because the Nets' lack of creators. It's like him and Cam Thomas. And that's Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas as your primary ball handlers. Like That's not a super great recipe for a great team. They have a lot of off-ball talent, but... You get what I'm saying. Good player, just not in a good situation for him to thrive. Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, really, really good 3 and D player. Doesn't really do anything else, but brings a little bit of edge. Is a guy that, you know, not not going to back down from situations. Toughness, 3 and D, that fits on every team. Um, and then Nick Claxton, who is a sensational big who can switch, really good play finisher, is a very good player and is going to get a lot of money this offseason. So I assume they're going to, I mean, you'd prioritize Claxton here. He's much better and he's much younger than the other two guys. So you're going to spend a chunk of change there. They already have a fair amount of money committed in multiple players. They have Mikael Bridges they're paying, Cam Johnson they're paying. Um, 40 million is going to Ben Simmons still. So I don't know if they can retain all these guys. So if you could trade a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Royce O'Neal, try to get some amount of picks back or just players that you're, you're going to be able to retain for longer. I think that could be valuable. So the nets, they're not so much in the dire need of like, Oh, you got to go do something to make this year matter, but you can maybe set yourself up nicely Another thing that could be valuable is if you can get Ben Simmons in a trade that's going to help facilitate as the third team because you need salary going places. Because someone like Zach Levine, his contract is enormous, and sometimes making the money match can be a little bit difficult with teams. So if you could somehow slide Ben Simmons in there as a third team, maybe with some other players, some other picks going around, that could be a valuable way to get off that deal because again that's 40 million dollars it's like going to basically nothing that's really hard on a franchise next let's talk about the oklahoma city thunder mostly because the hottest talking point in the league right now is do they make a move do the thunder make a move the amount of radio shows podcasts talking heads do the thunder make a move and it's one of those things. It's a good question because they have the ammunition. They have like 46 first round picks they can trade. They have a really good young team. And everything is rolling this year where realistically, they're going to be a really dangerous team in the playoffs. And you're excited about that. SGA is an MVP candidate. Chet Holmgren's looking like a building block player who is very difficult to rank. I'm doing my player rankings right now and settling in on where I want him to be is hard because part of player rankings is like it's a multi-year sample. Like consistency is part of it. But on the other end, you want to be reacting to what is happening in the league because I I've, I've fallen victim to this in the past where I don't adjust my opinion until too late where like I hang on to thinking a player is still good or thinking a player still has potential for an extra year or two. And it's just clearly not happening, but I'm stuck because I'm like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to change my opinion. And then I don't know, maybe be wrong later or whatever it may be. This team has the ammunition. They're very good. Jalen Williams is their third best player. 
he's going to be the most underrated player in the league in like a year or two, probably two years. He'll be whatever the Derek White two-way kind of like guard, shooting guard, small forward, can do a little bit of everything, is a really good player. The weakness of this team is the forward position just isn't great. They have Kenrich Williams, you know, fine NBA player, I guess. They have Josh Giddy, who I know there's off the court stuff, but on the court, he's just he's just not that good. He's not a defender. He can't score. He's a good passer, but like he really can't score at all. And it's tough when like you're if you're a single skill player, which again, his single skill is passing, it's difficult to be valuable, especially as an like you're not going to have Josh Giddy run the show when you have SGA in your team, right? Like where it's like, okay, we need the ball in SGA's hands more. So upgrading at forward makes the most sense for this team, whether they make a small move or a big move, like they don't need to, they don't need to make a blockbuster trade because realistically they can't win the championship this year. It's just never, it just never really happens where a team goes from, a non-contender like to winning the championship it's just too far of a leap to make so if you're the thunder what you want this year is you really want to get to the second round and then if you can get to the western conference finals and you can be the nuggets back in 2020 that lost to the lakers a really good up-and-coming team you challenge that team in the western conference finals you ultimately lose in five or six games that's realistically the best case scenario if this team went on to win the championship it would just it would buck the trend of history so much it would i can't even think of a team that just rose this much in a season and goes on to win a championship it just does not happen so you don't need to make a blockbuster trade this year because this is not a very sexy take, but like it ultimately probably doesn't matter. But there is the mental aspect of adding to a team for the sake of adding to a team where it's like there's a level of belief where, hey, we're willing to move assets to add to this group because we think this group is that good. And you might think that's silly, but for a young team, like most of these guys, I don't know, can they are they have they rented a car before? Like they're just not that old. That type of confidence can really go a long way. So I would like to see them make a move for the sake of making a move. Man, I sound like such a I was in sports radio for a long time. I sound like a sports radio guy. Make a move for the sake of making a move. It's all about the feeling of it. But I would like to see that because again, at the forward position, there's just not a lot there for the team. They could get some spacing that would be valuable especially come playoff time where the floor is going to shrink. And I imagine, I looked up, Lou Dort's having a crazy season. Like traditionally can't score a really bad shooter. This year has been exceptional from three. I think he might be over 40%, which is pretty crazy. I think I might have tweeted about it the other day. But that also might regress. And then Isaiah Joe's your only three-point shooter going into the playoffs. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, people are really helping off a lot of guys to shut down SGA. So I don't know. I think the Thunder are on this list. It's a fun talking point, and they should make a move. The last team is the Bulls. The Bulls need to make a move because I don't know what the Bulls are doing. Nobody knows what the Bulls are doing. They need to make a move to pick a direction, and the direction needs to be 
rebuilding. I don't think there's a move. <laughs> That'd be crazy if they were trying to go the other way and trying to get better because it's just not going to happen. But I don't think the move is obvious or easy because sometimes when we're armchairing things, it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, do X, Y, or Z. It's just so obvious. With the Bulls, I don't know what you do because Kobe White's having a good year, but he was moved into an off-ball role last season. He started playing really well at the end of the year. This year, he has been really good as well. Again, in that off-ball role where he's probably not a primary guy, but as a, a secondary scorer, looks really good coming, you know, moving around, movement shooting, things like that, attacking closeouts. It's, it's pretty interesting. He looks good. He looks confident. But other than that, I guess Patrick Williams is a really interesting like 3 and D forward, but there aren't a lot of either building block players on the team or potential young players where you're like, who knows, sky's the limit type thing. Zach Levine, I think, is a building block guy. I think DeRozan was at some point, but he's getting to the end of like his career, the tail end of his prime. So I don't really... Maybe if he was on a really good team, he could be the third best player. But Zach Levine, I think, fits that third best player, you know, B-level player. Offensive, like serious three-point shooting, getting to the rim, a lot of kind of oomph and juice offensively. But he looks to be on his way out. I think the Bulls probably want to get off that really large contract. But I don't know. Caruso is definitely going to be able to net some picks on the way back. So... You could speed up this rebuild if you... It's hard because you want to speed up the rebuild. You want to trade off as many players as you can to get more assets. But when you make your team so bad, it becomes really difficult to figure out what's going on, especially with the Pistons, where it's like, how good is Cade Cunningham? I have no idea. I have no idea how good Cade is. It's impossible to tell because he's not playing with NBA players. There might be a few NBA players on the roster, but... There's not that many. <laughs> so he's obviously their guy, like their best player, but that doesn't tell me anything, right? It's not, it's like calling something big or small. It's like compared to what? The kind of fear of the rebuild is you get stuck in the perpetual rebuild. It's the thing of like, could you trade Wemby right now? Like how many first round picks could the Thunder trade for Wemby? That was, I was walking at the harbor today here in Santa Cruz, and I was thinking about that. Be interesting. Also, Chet and Wemby on the same team. Woo! Be a lot of interior defense. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Those are five teams that need to make a trade before the deadline. The Lakers, the Warriors, the Nets, the Thunder, and the Bulls. My name is Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.